ESPN NBA insider Brian Windhorst joined Weston Walker last week to talk about the Charlotte Hornets, the perception about LaMelo Ball, and a potential sale of the Charlotte franchise. We'll get to all of that with David Walker today on Locked On Hornets. We're Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thank you for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. That's Doug Branson. You can find a Substack every Hornets box score on everyhornetsboxscore.com. And you can also check out David Walker on Twitter at David B. Walker. Sometimes people call him the Sultan of Sneakers. Sometimes people call him Pharaoh of Foot Candy. And sometimes people just call him <laughs> David. It doesn't matter. He is the man and he joins us weekly. David, we appreciate you, man. How are you doing? That would be a first for the Pharaoh of Foot Candy, but uh, let's try them all on. Let's see how they I fit. Think I it tell fits. you what, guys. It does this camera. I, 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 every time I come on here during beard season, it looks like I have a massive just 80s baseball player goatee for those not <laughs> yeah, watching like home, a, but It looks like a reliever from 1984. Right. Yeah, the rest of this is just gray, but um, it looks good. Let's go yeah, David David only brings one pitch to the mound, and that's a fastball with that facial hair. There's no curveball. He's throwing right down the middle and some steam. Speaking of steam, are you ready for Spicy B, Doug Branson? Because he's here. He's standing up these days. I mean, this season has yeah. gotten to Doug. I mean, look, I can't blame him. <laughs> it's gone to all of us. Are, are you ready for Spicy B? I am, of course. Yeah, that's why I'm here this morning. First, Perfect. first morning, first, first. I'm uh, ready to hear from David. I talked hey. too. I talked too much on the last episode. I'm gonna, I'm gonna really just try to seed some ground here oh, to to David and his wisdom uh, because I talked a lot in the last episode. All right. Well, let, let's talk a lot about Lamelo Ball. I'm sure people want to hear about him because you know. Last last game against the Boston Celtics, we know the same problem here of, of personal fouls. He had five personal fouls in the last game against Boston. I mean, it's becoming kind of ridiculous. I don't want to talk about it anymore, right? Like, we, we've already dissected it as much as we can because he gives us so many games to discuss. But still, LaMelo is your franchise player. He scored 25 points. He gave you six assists and five rebounds. It wasn't a very efficient game from the field, but it pretty much was from the perimeter shooting five of 12 from beyond the arc 12, no matter how, you know, how many threes that is, it's actually one three above his average. So only one three above his average and how many field goal attempts from beyond the arc he's taking per game. It's pretty ridiculous what he's doing. And so Brian Windhorst joined us last week on Wesson Walker. 12 to 3 p.m. 92.7 FM. So we talked with Brian <laughs> and we asked him a whole bunch of questions about LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges and all that. We'll, we'll play some of those sound bites, uh, sound bites throughout the week. But but here he is talking about the perception of LaMelo Ball around the NBA. The view of him is very, very high. People like his makeup. They like the way he plays. I think players want to play with him. I think there is an attraction there. Um Obviously, this season's been totally wrecked by those two, you know, ridiculous ankle injuries. Um, but uh, there's a, a lot of uh, a lot of respect for Lamelo Ball in the NBA, no doubt. So when you talk about the kind of positioning that he has surrounding other players in the NBA, it's interesting, right? Because his point per game average has gone up to 24. I was looking at 25 for him to flirt with some all NBA range type stuff with the Hornets absolutely contending for a play in spot. 
but the efficiency starting to go down the the three-point volume is up and he's still a great shooter but you know they're they're certainly the foul problems the defensive problems what do you make of that soundbite david to, to hear from brian windhorse that no the nba still values him you know towards the top of any of the young stars in the league yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's surprising. I just thought there would be a little more of a hesitation just because of like the refs, for, for one thing. Now, was Brian speaking more from a overall, from a player's perspective, from a coach's perspective? Was there any context on the background of that, or is he just saying kind of overall how everyone sees him? So, so Wes asked him just the perception around the NBA, him mm-hmm. as a leader, him as a young player, what his ceiling can be, just the overall value, I think. Yeah. And so he didn't specify whether that was GMs or authority figures right. or players. So I, I just think he was just answering the overall value. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, honestly, because I got the feeling I was getting the feeling that it was kind of dipping. And, you know, when you dip in on podcasts or blog posts or things like that, it feels like there's some negative energy around LaMelo. Now, a lot of that is just collateral from the Hornets, I feel like. But I do feel like some people are starting to look at him like maybe he shoots too much. You know, the fouls are an issue. And I think he's definitely got to clean that up. Some of well, a lot of that is his fault now. But he's to the point now where you can look at some of those fouls, right? And you say, well, other stars aren't going to get aren't aren't getting called for that. But he has made his bed now with those. He's got to clean that up. But I think it's it's encouraging to still hear that, you know, uh, he's thought of highly across the NBA because he's still growing. He's still you know learning. He's still getting his feet under him from an NBA standpoint. So uh, no one's more plugged in than than Windhorse. So mm-hmm. I think it's encouraging from a Hornets fan standpoint to hear that he's still regarded highly just because of the negativity around this team it's hard to see out from under that I think this season especially so overall I mean it's a good thing to hear that he's still you know up on, on the upper echelon of that young star tier well yeah that's where I was kind of getting at you, you took it right there it's well it, it's the fact that there is so much negativity surrounding the franchise you do see the Zach Lowe article about his defense but you also see the caveat at the beginning of that breakdown that LaMelo is so young and he's going to be fine but there's just so many negative things surrounding the franchise and most you know pretty much all Pretty much all of it's not LaMelo's fault, right? LaMelo has stopped fouling. You know, no player is perfect in the league. You have these very, very little things. But still, there's just so much, uh, who cares? It's the Hornets. They're, you know, a bottom team. So I am happy to hear that the perception is still very high. What did you take away from that um, comment from Brian? I'm, I'm not happy at all. I don't want anyone. I don't want anyone go. around the Jogger. league respecting Lamelo Ball or liking Lamelo Ball or doing eye emoji tweets at Lamelo. Everyone, keep your eyes on your own team, your own players, your own. Don't even look at Lamelo Ball. We know how talented he is. They're we don't not. need any of that validation <laughs> from NBA GMs who hate the Hornets anyway. We don't need validation from LeBron James or any of these players looking at Lamelo. No, everybody, keep your eyes on your own team. Leave Lamelo Ball alone. We understand that there are concerns here in Charlotte with, with with some of the things that's happening around LaMelo Ball. But we also understand the context, and the context is he's not surrounded by a lot of talent. The context is he's had several injuries um, in his uh, pro career so far. The context is this team has been extremely injured, and so I don't think that, we, I don't think that people are being like overly judgmental of LaMelo Ball this season. I'm glad he's going through it. This season, I'm glad he's working out some of these foul issues. And that last game against Boston, he did let the frustration get to him ultimately. But I saw LaMelo Ball in the first quarter who was actually starting to think a little bit about fouling and different things. And look, if this were a season that was on the margin, like they were actually a playoff or play-in threat, and he was making these mistakes, I go, oh, man, that's, that's really devastating when your team leader 
is 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 not performing in a way that could could get you over the hump. But but the Hornets are not even like in the same zip code of the hump, right? And they're not even in the same state as the hump. Okay, so there's no getting over the hump. There's they don't even see the hump. I've said a lot. I've yeah, said the I, word hump a lot. I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and <laughs> stop talking now. And Walker, you hit on something I didn't even mention, uh, which is ridiculous, is, is his age. You know, how young he is. He's still, what, 20? Or has he turned 21, 21 yet? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so congrats. Happy birthday, uh, Lamelo. But, you know, <laughs> you don't think about that. And you think about his growing up. He always played. He was always the, the smallest guy. He's had to learn. He's this finishing thing right at the rim. I think that comes from him being the, the, the littlest guy on the court forever having to flip it up around taller guys, maybe not being as used to going through guys and, and driving through traffic, getting that contact. And so he's had to still learn how to play defense. I mean, guys, think of he's, he, what, he didn't go to college. This is by far the best coaching, obviously, he's ever had. I mean, that goes for about everyone who gets into the NBA. But, I mean, look, he's being taught how to play the game on a different level now. He's still learning. He's still getting, And he's leading the team. He's the face of the franchise. He's the face of Charlotte sports at this point. I mean, it's a lot yeah. for a 21-year-old. And he's still performing, at least individually, at a very, very high level. And to Doug's point, you know, maybe it's a good thing they're crapping out this season and he's mm -hmm. getting these kinks worked out so that he can just throw it into, you know, uh, second gear when they start getting some going. The weird thing about LaMelo's defense is that, like, the few possessions that he got switched out onto Jason Tatum, there was one where he got yeah. burnt by Tatum. Look, Tatum's burning everybody. Everyone, yeah. But there were a few possessions that he got one-on-one -on -one with Tatum where he actually did a really good job defensively. He locked in. He was focused. He didn't get blown by. I would like – there were two things that I'd like to see moving forward because the season's over. Let's just say that. The season's over. I'd like to see more – so quick with that, Doug. Well, okay. Yeah, I think the record is <laughs> – the record is indicating that the season is over, okay? <laughs> so I'd like to see them shift to youth. I'd like to see them move more of these young guys, James Booknight, Kai Jones, that we haven't seen in a while. I'd like to see more of them. But I'd also like to see them play LaMelo and not hide him as much on defense. Give him the challenge. If 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 winning mm. suddenly becomes not the, the, the first objective, then I'd like to see them challenge him a little bit more defensively and help him you know, develop some of those habits that, that, that can help him defensively in seasons to come. Well, just what you were talking about, I tweeted it out, very visibly not fouling, was going like this. There was a missed shot, and then he went after the rebound. Right. It was already possessed by Boston. He's about to do it. You can tell. He wants to foul that guy so hard. He wants to push him because of the frustration. <laughs> and then he's like, all right, nope, yeah. I'm yeah. not doing it. <laughs> there was two times he did that right. in, uh, in a four or five possession. Uh, and, then, and then what happened? He got He played with the bench. The bench can't shoot. He had to do everything. And then when he tries to do everything, thing and, and 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 fails to do so he gets super frustrated and he falls back into the same habits so this is all i think it's all growth for him and you know i'm, I'm not worried about Lamelo. you know but we but we have uh, to point out the concerns we have to you know when we see something we have to say it all right but so, i think uh, one, one ahead, last thing if i could yeah. i'm fine shoot all the shots shoot every shot especially when he's playing with that bench unit as to your point doug like he, he's he's playing with one hand behind his back a lot of these games and so for him to take those shots and your point about the tatum thing doug i think that was just I, i'm sick of this i'm sick of the boston fans booing me in my home building of the mvp chance for good. the other guy i think yes exactly i think that's a good sign that's his competitive nature uh we know he loves to play basketball i think this is all good stuff uh, if they could just get the you know the team cleaned up, 
You know, we'd be right back where we want to be. Yeah. By the way, we didn't talk about Tatum yesterday, but just real quickly going over his numbers, the last four games, 51 points, 33, 31, 44. Those are the last four points. And then he's 32 of 32 from the free throw line. His last five games. I was real high on Tatum. No one else was. I was real high on Tatum. (laughs) I kept telling people like Tatum, he's going to be a big star. But I was like, no, no, no. Just like Walker Kessler. I was high on Walker Kessler. Look at him putting 2020s up for Utah. Nobody nobody listens to me around draft time. They should, though. (laughs) I'm going to talk less. I'm going to talk less in the second segment. I promise. I'm not going to bogart the show. I I apologize. Was was Kessler the 15th rows or was that like in the single digit? Was that the ninth rows you gave out? Oh, I loved I loved Walker. I said Walker Kessler would be a good drop down in the draft a little bit. Grab Walker yep. Kessler. Perfect. Huge. There you go. Yeah, Doug. If we if Look we only had done. you as the GM, then we'd have Walker Kessler. We'd have three centers. You'd have gone after Duran, Mark Williams, and Kessler. Yeah, baby. Well, because look, I, look, you're just giving yourself more of a chance to hit on one. I mean, the Hornets That's have right. hit on almost none. I mean, Mark Williams looks good though. All right. Speaking of the context of the situation, there's another Brian Windhorst soundbite I want to get to. Unless Doug wants to talk over it. That's fine as well. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We did ask Brian, me and Wes, about the chances of LaMelo possibly turning down a rookie max extension to go to a different team because of said context, because there's not enough talent around him right now. Would that frustrate him enough to actually leave the franchise? We'll get to that soundbite in just a moment, but not before we discuss Rocket Money. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rocket Money was formerly known as such uh, as Truebill, and it's a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending, and it helps you lower your bills all in one place. Over 80% of people have subscriptions they forgot about, like that streaming service you bought to just watch one show or that free trial that you actually never used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you, so you can stop paying for the ones that you don't want anymore. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person up to $720 a year. That's right, $720. Stop throwing your money away, cancel unwanted subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash NBA. That's rocketmoney.com slash NBA. One more time, rocketmoney.com slash NBA. More Wendy coming up next. Walker, can I say one thing before we start? Because uh, it's on Jason Tatum. It's what we just talked about, okay? Jason Tatum, I meant to say this in the last episode. Jason Tatum, 51 points. Congrats, sir. MVP caliber stuff. But, you know, nine rebounds? Like, come on, you didn't even get a double-double. Like, is that really a great performance if you don't get a double-double? I think not. That's what you wanted to interrupt me with, then the mm-hmm. Jason Tatum. Well, I just wanted to point it out. You know, you okay. look at fifty-one points, you go, "Wow, that's that's great." And then you have nine rebounds. Like, get the tenth rebound. <laughs> Tatum is a scrub. Put that on the title of this episode. Uh, Lamelo is not, and that is not the uh, perception around Lamelo across the NBA. But we are worried about him possibly leaving, even if it's unprecedented as far as somebody turning down a rookie max extension. But because of what you talked about, Doug. The lack of talent, the lack of, well, positioning for this team to try to contend for not even a play-in spot this year, but an actual playoff spot because they got drubbed the last two times they got into the play-in. It was awful against the Pacers and surprisingly even worse against the Hawks. And so is all that losing is the lack of doing something, as you might say, in the off seasons going to lead LaMelo to be the first rookie of that magnitude to turn down the rookie max extension. Well, I asked Brian Windhorst about that, and here's what he had to say. Typically, you get that first uh, max contract. I have branded it the fun max. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, 
it, first off, it's a, it's a lesser amount of money than than guys who are in their mid twenties in the back of the year, at the back of their careers. It is usually the player signs it. Usually the player is in a good spot. Um, I don't think the Hornets can operate their lives worried about that, but they should operate their lives worried about not having executed bringing in players around LaMelo. This is the task that the Hornets have, and this is the the task that any team has when you hit on a draft pick. It's exactly what's happened with Dallas. The pressure mounts on them. They get to a Western Conference Finals despite maybe bringing in talent around them. And Jalen Brunson, he has the early meeting with the Knicks, and eventually you lose what was an important player. But I don't know how much they were able to help themselves this offseason, and we'll see what they're able to do in the postseason. But if they are able to do anything, then it's probably going to be because Luka is just so damn good. So you want to get to that title execution. You want to get to places you haven't really been before or been in a while. And we know the Hornets, their uh, lack of conference finals history, zero conference finals appearances. You want to get to the postseason because it's been a long time since you've done that. What did you make of Brian Windhorse's soundbite, David? And just how important is it for Charlotte to get talent around him? Maybe even as soon as this offseason. Like when, when we say do it quickly, <laughs> it might give I'm you a, a window but I, I, how big is that window for Charlotte? Yeah, uh, it's it's time. It's way past time. I mean, we, we, we've talked about this. Now, look, the last season's a disaster. You know, uh, that was a lot out of their hands. But uh, this offseason, they have to, have to, have to, have to, have to, have to address getting LaMelo help. Uh, he's got to be probably included on at least some of these cursory conversations. You know, I think they've done a good job of making him feel like he's heard, uh, uh, you know, that he's a part of what's going on with this franchise, but it's fallen apart so badly over the last six months that, uh, that, that it's brought this into question. Now, I think the advantage the NBA gives the teams on this is still going to be in their back pocket. Like, Wendy didn't sound even a little bit uh, concerned that this may not happen, but it's never happened. But as Doug, you know, commented, uh, LaMelo's rare, right? He's one of one. Um, so he could be the first one to do it, but it, it would still be shocking. I think at this point, as bad as it is right now, it would still be shocking for him not to take that next step and, and commit to the Hornets. Uh, but they've got to show something. Their draft pick can help a lot, but dude, they have to do something. They, they got to do something in the front office. They got to make some moves to shake this things up. You know, we'll see what happens with players they've have or have not had conversations with. That could go a long way into coaxing Lamelo to feel like this is a place to spend a few more years. Uh, but overall, I think I've, I've backed off being super concerned about that for right now, just because you know uh, how, how many things can we, we be concerned about at, at, at one time. So I think it's a good point though. They can't operate like that. They've got to operate as if they're continuing to build, uh, which they need to start showing us pretty soon. Doug, what do you, uh, I saw you shrug your shoulders when we talked about being concerned about it. Maybe how worried are you about the possibility of LaMelo leaving? Well, I don't worry about things that I can't control. So that's, that's number one. I, I'm not necessarily mm. worried about it, but Philosophy, at the same Doug. time, wow. I, I've said for many seasons, that, what, what was that, David? I was just, I was, it was extra deep. It's extra level. I wasn't expecting neither one. Was, I mean, uh, yeah, oof. that got to me too, to be honest. That's funny. All right. My uh, bad. Doug. Okay. So what I was saying is that uh, for many seasons now, I've said the Hornets should be waking up every morning thinking about how can we put a team around LaMelo that will convince him to be here long term. Now, he said nothing or really operated in any way that would suggest that he would do something that is unprecedented, which is turning turning that down. Uh, but but you can't rule it out. But I don't you know, the Hornets 
I think it's a weird thing, too, in the NBA as they continue to draft players younger and younger and, and put these put these players on a trajectory. I guess it's fine when the player is a raw prospect like Kai Jones and is going to take many, many years to see like what he's actually going to become. But it's but it's stranger when it's a player like Lamelo who is young, and but you treat him like he's young. Like we've seen the the Hornets as an organization be a little wary about you know going all in on Lamelo and saying Lamelo is like the face of this franchise. He's the uh, immediate star. Like they just haven't done that. They they you know when they did the All Star campaign, they paired him with two other players, Terry Rozier and Miles Bridges. And the comments, you know, during the offseason, you know, in terms of have you been consulting LaMelo Ball on the coaching? You know, they're very careful to say, no, we don't we don't consult any players. But they've just been very careful not to put any kind of aura around LaMelo Ball. And I think a lot of that has to do with their concern that you don't want to do that with a player that young and and immature. And and yet the clock has started on LaMelo Ball and his you know, being with the franchise, that timeline has started, whether he's 19 or 24, the timeline is the timeline. And, and this team has not been focused enough on putting enough talent around the mellow ball, because this is a process, right? It's not just about like, they're not just going to one, one year go to the conference finals. You know, you, you've got to get talent around him that takes, you know, a, a season or two to develop, to get into the playoffs, to win a series and then, and then get bounced in the second round and then come back again. Like, this thing takes years, and if you wait uh, too long, you're going to run out of time, and, and then, you know, it's going to be on LaMelo to find a place that is legitimately concerned about going through that long process of getting to an NBA Finals. Well, you're right. I mean, Mitch Kupchak, when he takes answers or questions from the media, you know, he discusses and, and says, no, LaMelo is not consulted on any of these moves. I don't consult any player. You know, I, I'm I'm choosing this. And we heard Steve Clifford say yesterday, Scott Fowler, I think he wrote a piece on the Charlotte Observer about this, but he asked um, Steve Clifford if there was ever a time to shift to youth where you weren't necessarily worried about winning. And Clifford actually said, yeah, there is a time for that where you want to shift to youth and, and want to make sure that these guys are producing and he said and summer league player development. <laughs> you said what he said summer league. That's the time when you really want to shift to you. Well, he said summer league as far as these guys, not he had some interesting. Oh, comments no, I'm kidding. Some- I'm kidding. That was a joke. Oh, well, no, but he did talk about summer league, you know, with, with the James book night, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, I mean, with some of these players, but clearly book night is one of them. No, those, those comments were interesting. We can get to those, you know, maybe later on in the week, but the point being is that he also said Mitch Kupchak's old school, that he's not going to hand the franchise over to somebody, you know, that young, like LaMelo. And honestly, I don't think LaMelo is bothered by it. I mean, we, I don't think LaMelo is angry at the front office for not having the all-star campaign solely be about him. I don't think LaMelo, we haven't heard anything that he's so angry about the team not allowing him to make decisions for this franchise. I'm sure he's frustrated with not having enough talent to win. You know, even, look, I mean, the Miles Bridges stuff, that was his friend, and we've heard him say some comments since he was arrested for felony domestic violence and how he's kind of welcomed him back. I mean, he would he would love to have Miles. Like, he, he wants some of that talent back on this yeah. team. So I get the frustration there, but I don't get the sense that LaMelo is so fed up with everything in the organization now. The ultimate goal is to provide him that talent so you can win and give him as much, you know, as much advantage as you possibly can. It's not allowing him to pick the coach. It's not solely giving him the all-star campaign. You're right, Doug. It is making sure that you build a roster around him. Now, do you want to get to the other windy soundbite or do you want to go to the other, to the, to the last segment and do that? 
Yeah, let's do it in the last segment. Okay, let's do it in the last segment. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Remember when Bill Simmons of The Ringer casually threw in that Charlotte was going to be available for sale? Well, I brought that comment all the way back from September and asked asked Brian Windhorst about it on Friday and kind of got an answer. We certainly got an interesting one, but I'm not sure we got an answer if that makes sense. We'll tell you all about it in just a moment. But I did want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your source, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And you can get the latest odds and the trends for every professional and amateur league out there. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those on BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and the easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more bet online where the game starts more windy shoes jersey talk we'll get to all of it coming up next. all right last soundbite from brian windhorse was really interesting uh, i and i i think i i shared it i you know we, we played it on friday of course that interview is out there on wfnc.com but the, the bill simmons comment from september where he was talking about the sale of the Phoenix Suns, Robert Sarver, you know, agreeing after all of the problems that he has brought about himself, decides to sell the Phoenix franchise. And Bill Simmons was talking about just how valuable it was going to be. That market, that talent, even with Chris Paul on his way out of the league, you still have quite a bit of talent to work with. And he was discussing what, like four and a half billion is what the franchise is worth. And that was surprising. He was projecting it and it ended up being, you know, quite a bit. Right. So anyways, when he was talking about the sale in passing, I mean, it was it was weird, but in passing said, and you have Charlotte that's going to become available. And you might have mm-hmm. thought about them being in the same value as Minnesota. But, you know, who knows what that franchise is going to be worth. And then he just kept going on. And then wait, hold on. Charlotte's going to become available. The GOAT, Michael Jordan, is about to sell this. And we've always had a little inclination because of the minority sale that he had with Gabe Plotnick, of course, and, you know, a minority stake. But still, Michael Jordan operated most of everything else. But we didn't know that he was going to sell everything. In fact, the late, great Rick Bennell reported that it was only a sale for, you know, a minority stake and that Michael still operated most of the whole shebang over there. So I asked Brian what that soundbite was about. And you know, Charlotte becoming available. And here's what Brian had to say. I can't directly answer that question without risking being aggregated the same way that Bill would be. So as far as I know, as of right now, the Hornets are not for sale. <laughs> Definitive. Right. I mean, he said it. There All you right. Go. Put that I to mean, bed. The speculation music is, is just all about in my head right now from that answer. I don't want to uh, speculate. Start. Yeah. Perfect. It's been a while since we've played it, but I think it's worthy here. I mean, David, I hear that, and my speculation meter goes through the roof. Does your yeah. meter go through the roof as well? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's always been kind of floated out there, right? Um, uh, who knows? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I know there's not get... a lot to do with it, but at the same time, I feel like there is a lot. I, I don't know what to do with the soundbite. Yeah, I mean, we don't get much word from anyone uh, from the Hornets, certainly not MJ on this subject. I mean, uh, the rumblings have always been that way. But I think as a Hornets fan, you don't want him to sell. Uh, I think he's a uh, – well, let me say this. There are some Hornets fans that definitely want him to sell. I think if you want the team to stay here forever and ever and ever, uh, it's a good – you'd have a better shot of doing that if he remains the owner. Um, but, you know, who knows? Uh, it's just so odd to me that – 
you know, I looked at his, his, his race team and how he's approached that. And I know it's not apples to apples, but it's a very different approach as far as like he's brought in older superstars. They've actually won races, which I think winning a NASCAR race, I guess, would be like the NBA equivalent of, of making the playoffs or maybe winning a play-in game. I, I don't know. That's a good question. But, but, but that's been a very different approach. Um, it's, a, you know, he's, it's, it's harder to win in the NBA. So I think ultimately you want him to remain. You want him to get some management in here and, and reshape the front, front office in a more aggressive fashion. But it doesn't sound like – I don't know. I don't know how to take it. How did you guys yeah. take it on the air? Because it didn't say much. Well, I mean, we moved on. He said he didn't <laughs> want to be aggregated, and I'm not about to poke the bear by any means. And so we just moved on, and I think Wes asked some – I don't know what question was after that. But <laughs> I did – so at the end of that interview, I said, Brian, I promise we won't aggregate you. And I said that, you know, and then was about to do the outro. And then he said, all right, thanks, bye. And he's a nice guy. I mean, and he, he's yeah. so accommodating. Brian is, is great anytime I've ever had him on. But, you know, just didn't want to be aggregated. Doug, well, maybe we'll when you couple fun. that when you couple that with the Simmons drive-by, and that's about that's how he usually references the Hornets. It's just a straight drive-by. Um, <laughs> right. It, I mean, it starts it kind is. of adding up to a weird feeling, right? I mean, I think that's what you take away from it. Absolutely. Doug, your thoughts on it? Yeah, well, I think – a lot of people are putting puzzle pieces together and, and coming up with some kind of angle that the, the mm-hmm. Hornets would be a likely candidate to sell. But I don't think there's any like strong reporting on it. So that, I think that's why Windhorse yeah, here is being is being careful because if he if Windhorse goes on a on a thing and says, Well, if you think about this thing, if you think about the Phoenix sale, if you think about the fact that he did sell a piece of his of the team already and you put all of these things together and you understand that hey, there's a new T V deal coming, a lot of these franchises you know that the the value of them is going to go up and and there's it's going to be a great time if you did want to sell to sell um and and so if you put all that together with i think anyone could look at this situation and go like okay michael is not an activist owner like he's he's not as as you know there are points at which he inserts himself into the conversation mm-hmm. you know maybe around draft time and other things but but he's not as like hands on as some some other owners are, and so you know I think if you if you want to put all those puzzle pieces together to make some speculation, you could easily do that. Windhorse being careful here, I would say, you know I, I think if if you could guarantee me the Hornets would stay in Charlotte, you know I think right. an ownership change would benefit the Hornets if you could bring in an owner who was like actively yeah. focused on getting as much talent as possible and not as concerned with luxury tax considerations, you know, I, I would say that, that that would be a benefit. But I also look at this situation that, you know, the NBA is going to look to expand really soon. Uh, you finally got Adam Silver yeah, talking yeah. about it, and he's going to start talking about it more once they get the TV deal done and the next uh, CBA done. Then anything's possible because, you know, a lot of the speculation is that it's going to be too – uh, teams out west, Seattle and Las Vegas, it would be it would make things really easy. You know, that's two Western Conference teams. Then you got to do some shuffling around to bring a team over to the Eastern Conference. Like it would be super easy if instead of expanding to two teams, one of those teams jumped over to the Western Conference from the East. So I would just say, like, be careful because if if this team sells to somebody who's not concerned about keeping the team in Charlotte, then boy, I mean, the the, the market yeah. here for basketball is already a little bit tainted by the first move. This would be like, you know, nuclear warhead kind of situation. And like so, there's no coming yeah. back. 
Is the NBA really going to take a second team away from Charlotte and move it out to another city? I mean, I, I suppose it's possible. It just seems like it would be a lot of of goodwill just thrown away on that one. And I think you got to be careful when you're dealing with billionaires. You you never know oh, yeah. what you're going to get. I mean, look at the Panthers. Uh, you know, you never know what you're going to get when you when you bring a new guy in here who you have no idea what their motivation is, what they that, want to That's do fine, David. That's fine. But my argument, I hear you on that. But my argument would be I would rather go after something and, and stop being irrelevant because right now they're irrelevant. And I don't think there's anything worse than being the carpenter bee irrelevant non-threat. Like if at least if you got somebody in there and they made some mistakes early in the process, I'm willing I would be willing to give them, you know, a little bit of a, a pass if I could see that there was an intent to actually do something to put a championship team on the floor. But that, I don't so see that I don't, right now. I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, but when I hear Brian Windhorst say that, when I hear Bill Simmons say that, if you were to put a group of media members or just people that are tapped into the NBA that are a messenger to everybody else that consumes that product, they're as tapped in as anybody. And especially when I go to the Michael Jordan sourcing, maybe people around him, whatever, but also when Bill was talking about Phoenix possibly not forcing Robert Sarver out, but the league forcing Robert Sarver mm-hmm. out after the explosive article that came out about him. Bill Simmons on his podcast mentioned that the last thing they were going to do if Sarver did not relent and decide to sell the franchise was Michael Jordan, the GOAT, such a mm-hmm. powerful figure. Mm-hmm. There was going to be something from Michael. There was going to be a letter saying from Michael that Robert Sarver That's needs to be out of the league. And so when Bill has that sourcing from around him you know that involves michael and then he passingly says through you know charlotte's going to become available and then you have this from brian two guys that are as tapped in as anybody yeah i'm i'm going to read into that and maybe it's maybe it's irresponsible but i'm just telling you right now like for me i i take a lot from that so we'll see what i also think i also think the nba values having mj oh they absolutely in that group Right yeah. in that ownership group for sure, one hundred percent. When he's the so only think, black owner in, the, in a black league, exactly. which matters. Yep. yep. So and, that's and, why you know, so, I think I think Michael will sell the team and become commissioner of the NBA. That's there you my, go. And aggregate and just, that. Right, aggregate that one. Aggregate <laughs> yeah. that. Both of you. Um. Last thing. All right. I know you guys wanted to talk about the uh, this jersey opinion, right? What What was the tweet? that was sent out that you guys wanted to discuss as far as marketing goes within the association and the jerseys where you just have all of these courts, all of these jerseys that franchises are releasing now. David, what was it you wanted to discuss? Well, I think, Doug, you sent it to me. I actually replied to that Nate Jones tweet. He was going off about there's too many jerseys, too many courts. Basically, no one can tell if you're not a day-to-day NBA fan. You turn a game on, you're like, who the heck is playing this game? Where are they playing it? And what are these colors they're wearing it? And I agreed with it. I mean, I said back at the start of the season when the Hornets rolled out their newest, whatever, you don't even know the names of these jerseys, city, whatever, the purple jersey. It looks very similar to the other purple jersey. I get statement and city uh, mixed up all the time. I have zero clue which one is which. Well, because it's dumb marketing. It's dumb Nike marketing language. Like, it doesn't make any, you know. It's it's nonsense. Um, but his point was that you know there, there's no real feel or branding to any of these teams. They're losing a lot of the identity that comes with them inherently. And I I agree. It's it's too many jerseys. I never thought I'd be the guy to say too many jerseys. I love a good New Jersey, but every year there's not one New Jersey. There's at least two. You know, with every team. And so unless you're the Celtics or or maybe the the Bulls or the Knicks or somebody, I mean, you don't know 
what the team is going to look like from night to night. And then another person replied, they're like, yes, they're doing this for marketing and you can hardly get any of these new jerseys for purchase too. It doesn't make a lot of sense as to what they're doing. I like having a fresh take on things and I like having a, a cool new jersey every once mm-hmm. in a while. But they have really gone off the deep end, deep end in my opinion, on some of these. Uh, and they just need to scale it back. And, and can the white teams wear – can the home teams wear white at home? Uh, let's just go back to that. It, on any level of basketball, the, the home team wears white. It, it still throws me off when I see the home team in the colored jerseys. But that was my thought, Doug. What, what did you have to say? I disagree. And, of course. And I'll tell you why I disagree. Because I think, you know, the, the NBA, I think, understands – on a fundamental level, that the youths, the kids, uh, are not as – they're not engaged with watching entire NBA games. They're engaged with watching Mm -hmm. highlights. They're not engaged in, like, being lifelong fans of a team. They're much more star-focused now. They follow their favorite players on Instagram and TikTok. And, like, think about – like, just what about – sort of young culture would lead you to believe that they really want to like watch one thing over and over, whether it be a Jersey or a video, like that's the whole thing with TikTok is like, boom, video, scroll, boom, video, scroll, boom, video, scroll. Like it's all about changing and just, you know, color fantastic. Let's throw as much against the wall as possible, sell a couple of jerseys and move on. You know, again, you can, you can love that or not love that, but that's kind of the reality that I think the NBA is embracing here and and Nike is embracing and saying, you know, let's just do something different every year so that people have something new to look at. And, and I don't, I, I think we can sit here and go, well, we, we love the days when there were only three jerseys and we could really identify with something, but I'm not, I'm just not sure that that's how people that are 10 years younger or 15 years younger than us are really thinking about things. Yeah, and I think winning tradition is the thing that helps. Because, <clears throat> David, you mentioned the Celtics, and and mm-hmm. then you go to the Lakers, and those are the teams that can get away with the purple and gold that has been mm-hmm. there for a while, and the Celtics can get away with the traditional green that is not loud by any stretch, and they can get away with that because they win. And you wonder if these franchises are trying to flip over a new leaf, so to speak, to try to figure, all right, well, let's just put all that in the past and then let's move on. And then we let's can give have... those loser teams something <laughs> to sell. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, you know, but I, I think I'm going to do the whole fence sitting thing and fall in, the, in between. I, I think I don't I don't know if it matters so much that it takes a little longer to watch a game and then figure out who's playing so much. I I do think that the NBA is clearly marketing individual players, but I do think that there is so many jerseys that I, I just don't understand the point, so to speak, you know, like I I don't understand like why, why there is so many beyond if you all also, it's not like I see all of these jerseys all the time. I, I see the men's city edition jerseys here in Charlotte. I see the classics, I see the current ones, and that's pretty much about it. And, and, you know, I I mean, and even some of the other city edition, I'll tell you what I don't see a whole lot of. You remember the the one, I forget, of their city or statement, but the the gradient jersey, I don't see that a whole lot right like you got a hit and and then so and then they go away from it here's the here's the the only thing you need to know why they have too many jerseys the hornets in this rotation this year they don't have any of the classic the retro the throwback like the best uniform i think in their arsenal right the ones they wore uh, the the inaugural year they don't even wear those anymore this year uh but i guess they have too many so i think they should always have that in the rotation and maybe a couple other ones so it just gets out of hand at some point look no one likes a good jersey reveal you know, the leaks around the beginning of the season, always fun, Doug, always a good time. 
but it's just you, you can't get your hands around all of them, and, and then, you should have like, some why, of them all the time. You know, and why are both teams wearing jerseys? You know, let's just go shirts and skins. I mean, that's you know, let's go sleeves, YMCA. Bring back sleeves. <laughs> no, hey, you know the one. Uh, you know the one jersey I I haven't seen in a while. The uh, Charlotte Hornets Christmas edition journey jersey. Oh that my mean? god! Yeah. <laughs> That that's one. Okay, thank you, uh, Doug. I think your dismounts every segment have been awesome, and like every single hot take, Christmas jerseys, it's fantastic. How about, how about we focus on the All Star jerseys? How about we focus our energy on the All Star jerseys, yeah. guys? Come on, I was let's thinking get it. back to good All Star jerseys. Oh yeah, it's been forever. I, I get zero hope now when they reveal the NBA All Star jerseys. It, it's all very very bad. All right, thanks for making us your first listen. That'll do it for Lockdown Hornets. That's Doug Branson. I just saw the post go up go check out his Substack, every that's david walker the pharaoh of foot candy we need to talk jordan's next i want to talk yes, about jordan's because sure. i'm finally hooked on the narcotics so we need to get on that as well thanks for making us your first listen we're free and available anywhere you get your pods now make your second listen game to game nba every moment every top performance every result Locked On Game to Game covers every single game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll be back with you tomorrow. 